truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on The Blaze. But let's be honest, not really all that much in demand. Nevertheless, we carry on because magically, they still turned on this microphone. 888-900-3393 is the number here at The Blaze. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which we will be accessing coming up in hour number two. One of three ways you can take advantage of that. Email the show directly, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, who does not like us. All right, so you got to keep clicking that like more times than Danny DeVito said, hit me and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. All right, so... I think that's about 28 times. Uh, One like registers for every 28 we receive. I mean, it's only fair from our social media overlords. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up, I mentioned Feedback Friday. You'll get the Dace Group, our weekly look at the week that was here in a moment as well. But I've already mentioned uh, social media censorship. We had a, a U.S. senator say yesterday, specific, was it, is, is it Mozzie, Maisie, what's her name, Todd and Aaron? Um, Maisie Her Oh No Her her Oh No right, because I've heard it pronounced Mozzie and Maisie but it's Maisie I believe so as someone whose name has been butchered ever since uh, basically my first year of Little League I I am sensitive to uh, your last name getting pronounced correctly no matter how pro infanticide and communist you may be I I still have some empathy where that's concerned All right, so Maisie Hurano did I get it right? I always say Her Oh No her Be, oh no, like Yoko because, Ono, gotcha. Yeah, no, just like, oh no, it's her again. <laughs> nice. Maisie Her Ono, uh, a U.S. senator, was specifically singling out our peer here at uh, Blaze TV, Stephen Crowder, for being banned, right? Wasn't that yesterday that happened, I believe? Uh, she mentioned him by name in a Senate hearing. So first of all, I, I'm not really big into professional jealousy, except I got to admit, I'm totally jealous right now. <laughs> Whatever you did, Steve... To have a U.S. senator in an official proceeding single you out, continue. Uh, That's my first uh, PSA uh, here today. But as we continue to hear more and more about social media censorship and uh, the manipulation of algorithms to impact the next election, uh, realize that companies like Verizon and AT&T are taking their proceeds from your mobile phone bill and trying to do the exact same thing. They're funding leftist candidates and causes, and this includes promoting amnesty for illegals, open borders, infanticide, gun confiscation. Uh, There's one way that you can uh, fight back against this, and that is to do business as often as you can. Sometimes we don't have that option. But when you have the option to do business with people who are supporting the same causes that you do, we should definitely take advantage of that. And that's where Patriot Mobile comes in. Uh, A veteran-led mobile phone company that gives you pretty much all the same coverage you get from the big boys. But this time, they they take your proceeds and, and spend it on the values that you believe in. In fact, since 2015, uh, they, have, they have raised over $2 million from their own profits to support various conservative causes. And they've got unlimited plans starting as low as $25 a month for the same crystal clear nationwide service. If you want to learn more, how about just going ahead and making the switch now while I'm mentioning it? Switching is easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com, select your plan, and you'll get a free month of service when you use the offer code, come on over. Offer code, come on over at patriotmobile.com. And now it is time for the day script.
Your weekly look at the week that was, and we are joined this week by D.C. McAllister, conservative pundit and author, who was a big hit when we had her on a few weeks ago. Good to have you back, D.C. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, You are a glutton for punishment to go for round two, sister, but uh, we'll give it a shot. Here we go. Issue one, as we always do, a tradition unlike any other, according to Jim Nance. Here's bleep Democrats say. We're going to impeach the MFR, don't worry. The president put millions of Americans in danger last night. His rhetoric. I think the, the freshman of particularly AOC is smart as hell. I see President Trump as a, a bigot, as a demagogue, as a fear monger of somebody who's trying to rip our country apart. The president's words are dangerous. The president's words are destructive. The president's words are divisive. And the American people deserve better. If you're supporting Trump, you are a racist at this point. We don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. And as much as he's spewing his fascist ideology on stage. We don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. He has joined Andrew Johnson as the most racist president in American history. We don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. Why can't, we he, the, why can't he be um, um, brought up on trial? He has a hit speech. We don't need queers that don't want to be a queer voice. I believe he is fascist. It was more reminiscent of, of Germany during the beginnings of the Hitler regime. And if you're worried about being marginalized and stereotyped, police don't even show up. And if we're going to start sending people back, I don't know. You know, listen, um, Ted Cruz was born in Canada. Marco Rubio's parents were born in Cuba. Melania Trump was born where? Slovenia. I will always refer to him as the occupant, as he is only occupying space. This week, I introduced a resolution with civil rights leader, our colleague, John Lewis, and Rashida Tlaib. We must support efforts to end the occupation and achieve two-state solution. The importance of nonviolence movements. It recognizes the proud history of boycott movements in this country dating back to the Boston Tea Party. We should honor these movements and that history. Come on, Donald. Come on, man. How many push-ups you want to do here, pal? Can you respond to some of the president's specific claims, most notably that you're a communist and that you're pro-Al-Qaeda? I will not dignify it with an answer. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle denounce those comments as anti-Semitic. So you don't regret your words either? I do not. I think it's very healthy for our party to have a range of opinions, especially as we get into this uh, season of the 2020 primary. Cobra shell. The troops. Stop flagging the troops for the reason you're able to out here. You're a like a shit. You're a stupid ass, privileged ass, get the out of here now. If you like your health care plan and your employer-based plan, you can keep it. Oh boy, I, 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 that's a phenomenal montage. My favorite. As we go around here, as we always do, your your favorite sample of this week's insanity. I rarely chime in. But I, I have to say, my my favorite, maybe a little bit um, obscure, but Steve Cohen, the congressman from Tennessee, the way he's like, it, it's reminiscent of, all right, what was the country they told me to mention again? Germany. It's reminiscent of Germany. And who was in charge? Was that, what was that talking point backstage again? 
reminiscent of Germany when, uh, when Hitler was in charge. Slowing down to make sure all of the talking points, the script that he was handed, that he gets to every last one. Can I throw in one piece of crazy that didn't make your montage? Yeah. Probably because it just happened this morning. So Ilan Omar uh, says that she is going to continue to be, quote, Donald Trump's nightmare. Oh, honey. Oh. Who's going to tell her? <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, you are the, uh, you're the nocturnal emission of opponents in Donald Trump's world, sister. You couldn't be further away from a nightmare. He's yeah. been sitting around hoping he could run against someone like you. You're like a construct. I mean, you are like the answer to a prayer. Are you kidding me? I thought that was the craziest thing that I heard all week. But we'll go back to Aaron's montage because so, it deserves your, that such a homage uh, deserves uh, your honor. So Todd, I'll start with you. What was your favorite sample of the insanity this week? Well, we, I, I think it, it's a no contest when it comes to just what people said. I, I think Presley. If, what's her first name? Because I need to. Ayana. Ayana. I mean, just just nailed it and eviscerated any possible challenger in terms if you're gay you this is what it looks like to be gay you don't get to have your own mind if you're black this is what it looks like you don't get to have your own mind so i think it almost it's not even worth discussing that i, I want to talk about the imagery of raising that flag at the ice facility like that is progressivism's iojima right there uh, it, it that <laughs> it, it should be endlessly you oh really well i mean honestly they put those image, Aaron. Get on it. Put those. There's images a statue next of that in the student union at Berkeley right now. Is that what you're saying? We're, we're going to make that's our next T-shirt. Iojima on one side and progressive and raising that flag at ice uh, facility. First of all, those of you that have made a living off of uh, click servative, uh, uh, you know, MAGA related material in this day and age. By usually by going after the lowest common denominator, the fact that you have not already done that yet, now that you mention it, the fact that my feed on my Facebook page is not already littered with with Reddit posts and memes along the lines of well, what you just talked about, you guys are getting slow on the draw. All right, raise your raise your game. Now that you mention it, that was an obvious meme that that should have been making the rounds well, the last few days. And Aaron knows at like a DNA level how I'm just biologically incapable of making that happen. I have no ability. <laughs> so Aaron's got to be on it. Everybody pray for Aaron uh, post haste to get something done before the show's end. It's it's too good not to do it. But again, these are the people who are telling you that the federal government is your god, is your savior, and here they are with a wing of the federal government, um, basically overthrowing it uh, because it's not woke at the pace they demand. It is, it's stunning to behold that image alone is the kind of thing that reflects on what Steve said earlier in the week. It, if, if this race to 2020 is anything like the embodiment of that image, Trump, in what is the modern-day equivalent of a landslide. DC, you have the floor. There's so much crazy there. I'm having a hard time, too. Uh, uh, one thing was Cory Booker saying about Donald Trump fear-mongering. <laughs> that entire montage was one big fear-mongering fest. Right. Uh, I also love the Joe Biden one. Um, come on. You remind me of Marlon Brando and Godfather. Come on, Donald Trump. 
I wanted to see him. So, so you reminded me more of Marlon Brando in that really creepy, awkward interview he did with Larry King towards the end. It reminded me far more of that, actually. But go ahead. Yes. So uh, that one was great. But the visual, I have to describe it, of the um, the woman screaming there at the end. Um, over to the side was some dude in a pink dress. Did you yeah, see that? you saw that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those massive breasts that he had. I don't know who he was trying to be, but that, I mean that that visual of her screaming and that guy standing next to her. That that's a really good meme for the Democrat Party. That's that's what they look like. Crazy. Yes, Aaron. Uh, one note on the Ayanna Presley thing. Um, can we clear this up once and for? Is queer? Can we say queer or not? I have. I, 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 I yes. Okay, I, I'm can. literally just okay. saying whatever but, I want these days and finding yeah. out later whether it's okay. That, that, that's kind of my policy. Right I like now. DC's contribution to the show. <laughs> yes. yes, say it. Say it. No. <laughs> say it. Like Sam Kinison. Say it. Send it back to the rice patty delta. Say it. Yes. I'm just so confused. You cannot call someone queer, but you can talk about people being queer. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. This, I think I just threw clears. my voice out, by the way. I don't ever let me do that again. Yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, that was. That was loud. Um, my, my favorite thing, just because of the, the placement of it, was the very end where you've got this demonically possessed woman just screaming at, um, oh, St. Clair. I can't remember her first name, but she's a reporter, uh, a conservative journalist, and uh, just screaming demonically possessed there. And then uh, Joe Biden, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it. That's, yeah, I just... That... I, yeah. The fact he verbalized that. Just no self-awareness. I mean, it's just, I, I didn't, wow. Thoughts and prayers if you're on the yeah. Joe Biden campaign team. All right. Actually, you're good to go. You've already sent all your resumes out anyway. Exit question on a scale of one to 10. With one being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T-level and 10 being as vigorous as Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. Rate this week's level of cray-cray. Uh, Todd, go ahead. I've had two nines in a row. It's still got to be high because there's some special moments there. But now, I I think we're going to go to an eight. Go to an eight, DC. Oh no, I was going to push it up to a ten. Wow, it's just so crazy. That was that, that was pretty crazy. That 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 was because because it had almost everything. The only thing missing is some pro-lifer getting assaulted. But that actually, that actually happened this happened. week. It just didn't make the yeah. Montage. Just there's only so much room in the montage, right, Aaron? Uh, seven and a half. All right, let's get to let's get a little bit more serious here now. Not that that crazy is not serious, which is what makes it uh, both funny and pathetic. Issue two, let's play a little game of true or false. According to Gallup, and around this time back in 2009, 29% of people they surveyed identified as Republican, compared to 32% identifying as Democrat, with 37% identifying as Independent. Gallup's most recent poll shows 26% of people identify as Republicans, 27% Democrat, and 46% Independent. Among those Independents back in 2009, 41% said they leaned Republican, while 48% said they leaned Democratic. Today, 43% of Independents lean Republican, with 47% saying they lean Democratic. No matter how you slice it, it certainly seems like there's some degree of growing dissatisfaction with both major political parties. Steve's poll this week was a simple true or false statement. Conservatism has no future with the Republican Party, but... America has no future with the Democratic Party. 79% of respondents said that statement was true, while 21% said it was false. So doing a little quick math here on the fly, in the last 10 years, that's about a 40% gain for independence. Yep. Uh, in the uh, right around there, maybe a little, maybe 30 and a half or 41 and a half, but it's roughly around a 40% gain 
uh, for those claiming to be independents uh, in the Gallup poll over the last decade. So uh, let's go to the the polling results, Um, the true or false portion of those. The statement that conservatism really has no future with the Republican Party, but America has no future with the Democratic Party. Do you agree or disagree with those polling results and why? Aaron, I'll start with you this time. Uh, I think this is absolutely uh, this is absolutely true, and that's the I, that's a, another restatement of the exact problem that we talk about on this show. Um, it politically, uh, the exact problem we talk about this show uh, all the time. It's illustrated over and over and over again. Take immigration. I mean, we had the we had we uh, Republicans had full control of Congress and the executive branch for two years did not do anything um, as the problem continued to get worse. Now, as Daniel Horowitz, a conservative review has reported over and over again, it's even escalated and surpassed some of the levels when the Obama administration was in charge and making all those racist, I'm sorry, making all those um, not racist comments about, you know, how asylum, not all asylum seekers cases are valid. Um, and still nothing. There is no there there when it comes to issues like this. We're going to be talking about this later. Don't, I'm not going to step on it, but we're going to be talking about this Planned Parenthood funding. It spends, you know, it, things like that. We had the we had the uh, set up for medical program. No, 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 no headway at a legislative federal level on anything remotely resembling conservatism in mass. Now, there are there are, you know, as far as the bureaucracy goes, there are some things, um, you know, that Trump's um, administration has accomplished. But this is the it, it, all this is to say. This is the conundrum that conservatives find themselves in. They see Republicans or in mass, the Republican Party is not really serious about advancing their ideas, whereas the Democrat Party just wants to end them increasingly so. And that's just another restatement of this this problem that we found ourselves in now for years. DC, your thoughts? More complex. I'm saying false, but let me explain. We have a two-party system, and it's going to be very hard to go third-party with a winner-takes-all electoral voting. It's just, it's almost not, can't even foresee it happening because of the way the structure is. And plus, when you put up those independents, they're independents, but we don't have an independent party. I mean, we don't have a legitimate party that's independent. It's not like that's a whole, whole party there. They still have to choose between Democratic and Republican when they go vote. So I I think that we're going to see a continuation of the two-party system. But what you're going to see as far as the question of is there conservatism a home there in the Republican Party? I do think so because historically parties have been pretty complex. And what happens is it's not going to break off and create a new party. It's not viable. What it's going to do is is what is the Republican Party going to transform into? And that's when you get this tension between how are you defining conservatism and what is it opposing? And so what we have is a neocon, the frustration of the Tea Party types and the traditional conservatives going after this more intellectual elite. So you have this war between the elitist and the populist within the conservative frame. And it's very reminiscent of the Republicans and the Federalists back in 1800. And those were two parties, but we almost have two parties within a party. So it's really a matter of who's going to win that and how do you define the conservatism? Because the, the elites 
define conservatism as beginning in 1945 with Buckley, and we've lost that kind of conservative intellectual center um, to the populist. And they didn't like the Tea Party, if you remember. So, you know, who's gonna, if the Tea Party, the populist one, does that mean it's really a loss of conservatism as far as the whole of history? Or does it mean a loss of that more intellectual neocon kind of frame of conservatism? So we really need to define our terms and understand, you know, how we're going to fight for the party within uh, to see what the future is of conservatism. Interesting. So what I hear, the nuance I hear, if, if I'm wrong, correct me, but the nuance, if I could sum it up, what you're saying is the Republican Party is never going away and it's never not going to call itself a conservative party. The question will be, how does it define conservatism, right? That, that's, that's really what I hear you saying. Is that, is that a correct summation of what, of what you just described? Yes, because, for example, classical liberals, people who are more Jeffersonian, like I am, I'm not libertarian, but more Jeffersonian, would be, call myself a conservative. But, you know, a lot of neocon types, a lot of the, the real um, elitist types, and I use that term as that intellectual movement that spread out to populism even after Reagan, because if you remember, they thought the whole conservatism was going to be lost because of Reagan. They didn't mm -hmm. like Reagan. They didn't like the populism of Reagan. And there was all this hoopla going, oh, no, the death of conservatism, you know, with, with the, you know, with Reagan coming about. And with, with Goldwater losing, they thought, oh, we're going to lose conservatism, you know, and with Nixon resigning, oh, we're going to lose conservatism. Um, and it, it hasn't gone away it has changed it has become more of that populist frame but there's still those freedom principles that we're fighting for even though we don't do it in the in the way and with the tactics that that the buckley crowd does so it's what are we fighting for and how are we really defining it we need i think to go farther back in history before 1945 to really get to the roots of what our conservatism is and understand that that is very much still in the Republican Party. And the people in power, though, are these types that are big government types, more that the intellectual types, unfortunately. Yeah, I call them small P yeah. progressives, really. That's yeah, what I call small them. P progressives. Yeah. And we need to oust them. And they're losing power. So uh, they're they're frustrated. We're frustrated because they're in power and we can't get this more Tea Party um, states rights, you know, smaller government um, idea in there. And we're speaking for the people. Um, and they're frustrated with all the rest of us thinking we're just crazy loons and, you know, gorillas, you know, who are going around and ruining and bashing up their their precious intellectual conservatism. That's the war that's going on. And in the in that we still have the broader war of us against the really crazy Democratic Party, which I don't think is ever going to go away. Todd, you get the final word. Well, I'm instructed to answer this question by what the, the number of independents there are and how that's increasing and they're dropping off on both sides. I think there's a, you know, we left the Republican Party uh, for a lot of uh, different reasons. I don't know that that's reflective of all the reasons. I think a lot of people leave parties on both sides because of a, a generalized increase, in, a noticing of an increase in hypocrisy or being ineffectual. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily ideological. And I think true conservatives need to pay attention to that and realize that I not only do I, I, I question whether it uh, has a home in the Republican Party, but I question it's, it, whether it even has a home in America and whether that time has passed. In terms of the ex the, 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 the context of like a Ronald Reagan, I think it has to realize that it is only going to be forced, and you said this along the lines of the pro-life, be factions outside that parties will have to come to and negotiate, but we'll, we'll never give you a permanent home or allegiance because we tried that and it didn't work. I think conservatives can last in this country, but I think to be at its best... It'll have to be outside of the system. You think it'll have to be an insurgency, is what you believe? A perpetual insurgency, yes. Interesting. All right. Exit question. Hasn't it always been? Hasn't it always been kind of in a, a way? 
Yes. I mean, and it's yeah. going to have to be coming from the states because that's when you really get into this convention of the states kind of um, idea. Yeah. But but we still, at the end of the day, even if you have, a, like I said, a bunch of independents, you're still having, even if you don't identify as a Republican, when you go to the polls, you really only have two choices because of the structure of our, of our uh, political system, especially the winner-take-all aspect of it. Let's go to the exit question. True or false, there will be a legitimate alternative party to Republicans and Democrats by 2030, so about a decade from now. Aaron. Uh, and I'm allowed to define legitimate as however I see fit. Sure. Uh, I'm going to d- define legitimate as um, kind of the, the Nigel Farage, UKIP model where he, you know, built basically what you're talking about, an insurgency. Is affecting change, but doesn't have a lot of representation in the yes, parliament, basically. Exactly. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, on that notion, as far as a slim, um, a, a, sliver, a wedge party, a, a wedge party yeah, yeah uh, I'm going to buy that. What do you think, Todd? I'll buy along the lines of what I just said. I don't know if it'll be a lasting. I mean, there's been, we've had that in America, yeah. and they've been present for a couple cycles and gone. But to that extent, I think, yeah, sure. What do you think, DC? True or false on that? Oh, false. Um, again, because of what I said. But I think maybe it's a good idea maybe to start thinking in terms of coalitions within the party because the two-party system is there. It's not You're not going to get a viable third party. But you can definitely get coalitions that are strong within a party to bring about change. And that's what I would advocate. Build strong coalitions to change the party's direction. Hey, have you seen what's been going on with gold lately? Uh, Prices are finally starting to reflect today's crazy financial world. If you've been thinking about buying gold lately, then you are in good company. People own gold uh, for many good reasons. For example, central banks have theirs, probably the same reasons governments uh, and investors, big and small, do as well. Uh, You're running to gold for protection against a falling dollar, out-of-control government spending, not to mention just good old-fashioned profit. Well, if you want to get in on the act, call Swiss America today at 800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. And ask them that uh, for the timeless truth about gold. Experts say now is the time to take action before you miss out on the opportunity cost of not being there when your investment in gold reached new records high, new record highs and discover what the experts are saying about gold as well if you again want to learn more 1-800-289-2646 is the number 1-800-289-2646 or you can go to the website swissamerica.com that's swissamerica.com I'll just add one thing listening to the conversation that we just had here. I I think for those of, I think this is why it is, there's an industry aspect. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday who, who works for one of the uh, cable news networks that is opposed to, to, to Trump. And this person said to me um, that he thinks their management would actually love it if Trump won because he's great for ratings. Okay. So, let, let's, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Don Henley gave us this, gave us Dirty Laundry 30 years ago for a song. It, that's not, you know, pee, pee on each other and say it's raining about the industry we all work in here. I mean, we were all in this for clicks. It's just a matter of are the clicks we're generating legitimate, uh, you know, causes or not. Okay. So there's that aspect to it. There, there is the aspect of um, find the most incendiary thing you can say about your opponent in order to, you know, get hate likes. There's that aspect to it. But beyond that, other than I can get... Anna Navarro was a nobody aide for a nobody rhino senator before she made a career out of bashing Donald Trump. 
and we have seen we've seen stars being made on, on the on in conservative media of people who have just created ridiculous examples of finding even the most clearly you know inane things and making that seem like Donald Trump got this from God on Mount Sinai, right? So let's set that aside, though. One of the one of the the reasons there is so much fixation and why it is so difficult to have a conversation, particularly on the right, that doesn't involve that doesn't revolve around Donald Trump, is because we all know, regardless of where where we're at, right right where the temperature our Trump temperature is right now. On an individual basis. Unless, you know, you're one of those people that's a stenographer for Mitch McConnell type. We, the rest of us know if he doesn't do something, literally nothing we care about is going to get done. That's, that's the other reason it is so difficult to move beyond having a conversation where you don't get dragged into the daily events and whatever you think about them. Because the reality is we all recognize unless he unilaterally acts to militarize the border, to close it down. Why? Because the same people that were running the Republican Party before he arrived are running it now. And they weren't concerned about securing the border all these years. They want it open. They want the migrants. They want the cheap labor for their donors. That, that's been going on for years since before Donald Trump came down the escalator. And that's why I am going to be fascinated at, to watch as, as when he leaves and this party leadership is going to go right back to who they were prior to June of 2015 thinking that this was a temporary insanity. And I will be fascinated to see how the rest of you react to that. So... You don't keep a stoplight or something like that at your kitchen table telling you when it's time to stop eating because that would be weird and creepy, you know, like a Joe Biden interview on CNN. Uh, the good thing is your creator put one in your digestive system right there in your gut. It's got a long name, but its abbreviation is OEA. And, and the job of that OEA is when you're eating to help you regulate your portion sizes, your, your cravings and your, uh, your appetite by when you're full, sending a signal up to the brain to say, Hey, we're good to go. And that's when the brain does its job and your metabolism does, does its job. Unfortunately for so many of us, uh, that, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be. Could be we just bypassed it so much when we were younger that it just decided to give up. Uh, it could be something else. But regardless, Riduzone wants to do something about that. This could be the missing link and why you're losing the battle with your bulge. Just go to Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. And what they want to do is give you a bottle. And if you use my name, Steve, they'll give you a special offer code when you go to purchase it. And all that bottle is, is OEA. Uh, it's not loaded with chemicals. It's not a stimulant, not an appetite depressant. doesn't even have any caffeine. It's just that OEA to get that signal working the way that it's supposed to. If you want to give it a shot, again, go to riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com, promo code Steve. Let's get back to the day's group, our weekly look at the week that was with issue three, Planned Parenthood terminates another. Apparently this is not woke enough for Planned Parenthood. I'm an immigrant. When I was eight, my parents brought me here from China. We came to the U.S. with $40 to our name. We depended on Medicaid and food stamps 
and also on Planned Parenthood for our health care. Planned Parenthood parted ways with Dr. Leanna Wen this week. The cause? Well, according to BuzzFeed News, she wasn't using enough transgender-inclusive language and feared that talking about such issues would alienate people in the Midwest. According to her own statement, Dr. Wen said, quote, I came to Planned Parenthood to lead a national care organization that provides essential primary and preventive care to millions of underserved women and families. She goes on to say, I'm leaving because the new board chairs and I have philosophical differences over the direction and future of Planned Parenthood. She didn't last nine months. Also this week, David DeLayden and the Center for Medical Progress, they're the ones who conducted those undercover stings of Planned Parenthood officials discussing the selling of dead baby body parts, got a surprising victory in a suit brought against them by Planned Parenthood. Judge William Ork III rejected Planned Parenthood's false and long-running smear that accused the Center for Medical Progress and their journalists, including David DeLayden, of attempting to incite threats and violence by publishing the undercover videos instead of simply publishing a true news story of the public interest. The ruling cuts Planned Parenthood's lawsuit from potentially over $20 million in damages to less than $100,000. It was a bad week for Planned Parenthood, which is kind of saying something when your business model is literally kill all the babies. Let's get to the first question. Todd, I'll start with you this time. What do you think when's firing? What do you think it tells us about Planned Parenthood? Well, the obvious truth is what many have pointed out that is that they've been lying this entire time about it's only 3% of what we do. They, they, they know uh, right now uh, that internally they're, they're not comfortable uh, anymore with the narratives that they felt that they used to have to swallow to move things along i mean once the mania the psychosis takes over and it's just out in the open and you're just like you're damn right i ordered the code red which is where they live right now they're just they don't want to lie anymore they they of course we're an abortion industry and you don't get to judge that and oh yeah men get to have abortions too and you know that saying honor among thieves well, even somebody like one who's full of lies herself was like looking around for nine months and it's like um yeah, no. I mean, I'm cool with killing the babies at all, but you guys are just nuts. So, I mean, I, I, I think whatever shred of conscience is in there with her, at least over the course of nine months, I mean, she's just like, what are we, what are we doing here? I, I, I we, we all know people. At least I do. At the I'm friends with people who are are, are pro-choice. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're not going around there showing you, you know, telling you how much they love to kill uh, dead babies all day long, but they believe in the cause and they believe in the cause. But sometimes, you know, you build up this facade of lies that you rely upon. And she clearly had them, but she got in there and she really saw the face of the devil up close. And not she, she's going to go on and continue to promote killing babies, but she just saw that it's way more. She, that lie she told herself about being healthcare organizations, like, no. Well, that's that's not what this place is. DC, what do you think? Yeah, she's a metal, medical doctor, first and foremost. So, I mean, she's not as much political. I mean, she's a political creature. But what she felt herself into was um, intersectionality, intersectional feminism, and the war that's going on within feminism and within liberalism today is this intersectional contra- construct. And, you know, who's going to win out? Is it the transgenders? You know, is the homosexual agenda? Is it feminism? So no longer is feminism and Planned Parenthood 
Planned Parenthood is a uh, representation of that is no longer about women. I mean, and that was what her problem was. She goes, I want this to be about women, but they're no longer about women. They're about this matrix and this complexity of all these marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. And you Mm -hmm. have to play to all of them um, in order to be woke. And and that just divides you up into so many different categories. And it's crazy in itself and is self-destructive. And that's how they're actually going to destroy themselves is with this intersectionality. DC, I think w- w- just kind of going back to what Todd said and and uh, connecting it to your point here, what do you think it means? I mean, you know, this wasn't Lisa Wen's first day on the job, right? You know, she's been a part of this organization for years to work your way all the way up to uh, succeed Cecilia Richards. Um, she was not unaware of the body count. She was not unaware of what they were doing. So what do you think it means that even someone who devoted themselves to their cause enough to work their way all the way up to the top, when they attempt to draw any line at all, when they, when they attempt any relatability at all, when they attempt any empathy for people that you could otherwise persuade to your cause that you might be driving away at all, at all, they, there's not... There's no more room in the inn for them, um, even for people like them that are probably with them 80 to 90% of the way. And if they feel that way about Miss, about, about Miss, Miss Wen, what do you think they think about the rest of us, DC? I think we know what they think of the rest of us. They want to silence us. They want to control, control our speech. And, and this is the war there. It's not Again, it's not just about women and women's issues. And a lot of pro-choice people think about Planned Parenthood and abortion as a purely woman's issue. That's definitely how Wen saw it. And I don't think it's just the number of babies that, that offended her. It, it was this intersectional having to play the game of, of gender and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the transgender aspect of it. And a lot of homosexuals don't like the T on the LGBT, and a lot of feminists, you know, who are pure feminist, don't like it either. There's all this war going on in and within that frame, and they don't. They're going to destroy themselves, and they don't really know what to do with it. And Planned Parenthood is just plowing forward with it, and you either get on board with them or you don't. And it's getting that way more in academia. We see it. But there are people within the liberal community that are like, you know, I'm not for all of it, but you have to, you have to comply. You know, it's assimilate or die in, in, in liberalism today. Well, once you remove yourself from trans, ultimate transcendent providential divine accountability, and essentially it's, it's, it's might makes right, my grievance is what determines what's right, where, where, where would you even get the power? Where would you get the authority to draw the line? I mean, I, I can see why they feel the way they feel about Miss Wen. Where does she get off thinking she's the boss of them? Why does she think she gets to tell anybody no? When your entire movement is, we don't, no one tells us no. I don't know how you listen to any voices in your movement mm-hmm. who attempt to tell you no. Aaron, you get the last word. Yeah, so I, I want to illustrate uh, this once again. What, what we saw this week was the mouth of madness. And I want to I wanna show you why, hopefully. Where did Dr. Leanna Wen and her parents immigrate from? Leanna, I said Lisa earlier. That, yeah, Leanna, Leanna yeah. Wen. Where did they immigrate from? They they immigrated from one-child policy, China. Mm-hmm. As a little girl, 
Uh, she had already beaten the odds. Let's let's be honest about that. Growing up where she did and right. coming from where she did. Yet despite that, yet despite that, she dedicated most of her life, even as the um, health commissioner of Baltimore, I believe, was her title before she became president or CEO of Planned Parenthood. She de- dedicated a good portion of her life to providing abortion services, despite her own story, despite from beating the odds. Can from I put where a finer she, point on what you're saying? She came from this, most families, or many families in China, choose what's called sex selective abortion. That's what I'm saying. Meaning yeah. that if 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 the child they find out is not going to be a boy, they choose to abort yes. it in order to live up to the one child exactly. policy. And so that even add that's that's why I wanted yeah. to quantify that to the audience. That's yeah. what you mean by her beating the odds there. Yeah, beating yeah. the odds. Yet despite that. The, the blindness, the spiritual blind, and moral blindness of this woman, she goes on to dedicate a good chunk of her life to providing the very services that's, that, uh, would that, snuff her out. She, that would have snuffed her out had yeah. she not been essentially lucky in China. And so, there's, and they, and so that, that's, that's, that's a, a big part of this. She, the, the, the blindness of her. But even she, even she is not evil enough is not woke enough, is not all of the box checking of intersectionality enough for Planned Parenthood. So to answer your question that you posed at the beginning of the segment, what did this show us about Planned Parenthood? They had a true believer in their propaganda about only 3% of our services are abortion. Because that's what it was her, girl, her goal was, to make Planned Parenthood mainstream by actually making it into the propaganda that they claimed for so many years. What we learned this week, once and for all, let nobody let nobody question this, that it is not about, it is not about, and we knew this, but it's not about health care. It's not about reproductive rights. It's about killing those babies. Because that's what that's what she didn't want to do. As much of or as least as much as they wanted to do. It's always been about killing the babies, and that's what this was about as well. Exit question, true or false? Planned Parenthood as we currently know it will be out of business by 2030, a decade from now. Todd. True. DC. False. Aaron. True. It means it will probably be taken over by something else, but true. Issue four. Everything sadly remains racist and sexist. Saturday is the anniversary of this. This is CBS News color coverage of Man on the Moon. This evening, a walk on the moon. Now here again is Walter Cronkite. Well, for thousands of years now, it's been man's dream to walk on the moon. Right now, after seeing it happen, knowing that it happened, it still seems like a dream. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. So naturally, the New York Times ran an essay this week by some chick named Mary Robinette Cowell entitled, To Make It to the Moon, Women Have to Escape Earth's Gender Bias. The Apollo program was designed by men for men, but NASA can learn from its failures as it aims to send women to the moon and beyond. That's right. So as you celebrate the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, just remember that it is and was sexist. If I would have predicted a year ago, the New York Times would complain on the 50th anniversary of the lunar landing uh, that it is commemorating sexism. Most would have told me that is a ridiculous prediction. 
except it happened. It just did. So let's have some fun. What will be called racist or sexist next that a year ago, no one would have believed this would be injected into the mainstream? DC, you get to go first this time. No, this is hard. I'm just going to have fun with it. GPS, you know, because it was created because women can't read maps. So it's really <laughs> condescending to them. I like it. I like it. And, 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 um, the voice is is gender normative, right? That's another gender conform conforming normative uh, voice. Yeah, I like that. Todd, uh, clothing, I clothing, uh, uh, clothing. I, I think I I think that we might be talking about the nude beach coming to a business near you because clothing will be viewed as. A tool of oppression that treats uh, and all these hairy armpitted feminists are going to wonder why are all these thirteen-year-old boys here? Well, is that what you're saying? Well, this is along the lines we just had that air conditioning is sexist thing. I think this keeps going. I think this is. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Wow. So you know, dress, yeah. dress. Take the whole notion of dress codes and you know whether you're supposed in a skirt or how you're whatever. I think in some places, and we have all these woke workplaces now, I think they may actually push themselves into acceptable levels in the, of nudity. In the new movie Midsummer, the villainous Wait. cult in the film, the male elders wear skirts <laughs> with collared shirts <laughs> so that they can demonstrate the non-binary essence of nature. They literally say that. All right. They wear skirts with collared shirts in that movie. Yes. Aaron. Uh, this is actually going to happen before the end of the year, but uh, I, I do predict that uh, Barack Obama will be labeled both racist and sexist, and this will happen. I, I fully believe that this will happen before the end of the year. Somehow, some way, he's not going to be woke enough for the woke crowd. That that would be a Rubicon. Uh, I actually, I was going to talk about this, but I couldn't wait. That's like next level oh, yeah. Rubicon. Well, I couldn't cost. figure out a way to frame it, and Aaron's genius. I think there's real pressure on Barack Obama to get out sooner rather than later and endorse specifically Kamala Harris for several reasons, but that is actually one of them. Well, I mean, you've got Breitbart today, and I love these, whether it usually campus reform does this, but one of the greatest things that we do in conservative media is when we pose, go to colleges and we pose them quotes and things and, you know, ask them if they think it's racist and if they think Trump said it and the answer is always yes. And it's usually like Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. And today it's, it's Barack Obama on immigration. So you do wonder if, if, if the right is going to continue invoking him in his own words to justify the policies that in mass, collectively, uh, leftists are calling racist and bigoted. You do wonder at some point if, if he's going to have to come out and do or say something here while he gets thrown up by conservatives as, uh, as the new hotness, you know, because... Essentially, they're saying that then Barack Obama must have been a racist, right? Let's get to predictions. Aaron, go. Uh, NFC South, this is kind of my bat crap crazy one. Um, I'm going to go with the, uh, the Falcons will be in first place. The Panthers will be in second place. And I'm, I'm, I always sell quarterbacks once they get uh, plus of like 35, 37 years old. Uh, the Saints are going to be in third place, and then the Buccaneers are in fourth. DC, your prediction this week? Netflix is going to fire the Obamas. Hmm. Their stock price got destroyed this week, by the way. Yeah, because they're, 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 see, they don't have to report numbers. So when they're reporting on their own what their subscription losses are, 
understand it's probably worse than that. That's what they're willing to publicly reveal. Todd. It will be leaked at some point that uh, by the se- by the Secret Service that uh, the threats against Donald Trump are higher than any president uh, before. You mean the amount of death threats that you're talking about? Threats of violence con- uh, okay. concerns, yeah. My prediction this week is Ilan Omar is going to be out of Congress by the end of the year. Um, I, I think she's just too costly for Democrats. And then I think this investigation into her status, uh, her immigration status, did she marry her brother, uh, the alleged fraud that is going on there uh, in terms of what is being investigated on several fronts. And I, I could see Democrats quietly, silently pushing that out um, because she she's an albatross. Uh, she's 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 I can't even define the level of liability she brings to the table for them politically. I, I can't think of an elected official in my career in politics that has been, that has been more singularly of an albatross on a political party since like Nixon in August of 74. I mean, I think it's that bad and I think it, they'll, they'll find some way to get rid of her. Uh, even if it means some quietly behind the scenes, assisting the investigation into her immigration status. That's my prediction. DC, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining us again here this week. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. We'll come back. Hour number two. Your feedback for some Feedback Friday is next live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Back in a moment. We're back with our number two, live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number to The Blaze. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. If you're listening today via the podcast, if you have some time and you wouldn't mind, and you like us, don't lie, but if you like us, please consider leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. For the more of those we get, the more likely we are to find people to continue to listen to this show, which makes it more likely we get to continue to actually get paid to do it. All right. So according to all the algorithms, that helps to raise our profile. So thank you to the thousands of you on the various podcasting platforms that have left us to those positive reviews. And thank you to all of you that uh, are like, you know what? I haven't done that. Now that you mentioned it, I should probably get around to doing it. Thank you very much. That's one way that uh, you can help us here keep uh, and, and continue to grow the program. Feedback Friday is coming up here in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about Relief Factor because this thing has changed my life. And I'm, I'm trying to think of the last time something relatively inexpensive had this big, big of an impact on me. And it was when I got my first TiVo. And I'm like, you know what? This is just, I'm going to be so much better of a husband and father right now because I can just tape stuff. And I can, and, and, and I don't have to wait because you could tape it on the VCR too, but you have to wait for a den, right? You can go back, you can watch it in real time. So if you're at your kid's ball game and you're an hour late for the start of the game, you know, you'd have to wait for the whole game to end because the tape would need to keep going. So the idea that I could just come in and stay totally away from the results, watch things in real time. I started liking the TV show 24 more because it would like really frustrate me how, how long they, and elaborate they would lay out their plot lines. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to record the whole season, wait till it ends, and just watch it all in a row. I mean, TiVo is the last thing I can think of that was relatively inexpensive. That just, it made me a better person. 
I can say that about Relief Factor. I'm dead serious, man. I mean, how quickly I recover from workouts, the the lack of soreness now when I get up in the morning, um, my flexibility's improved, energy levels improved. Uh, I was skeptical. You know, I, I would make appearances on other shows in the Blaze before I came here, and the host would talk about it, and I'm like, really? Come on, really? Is it that good? It's that good. When it comes to helping your body win the war against inflammation, 100% drug-free, four key natural ingredients that help to kick into high gear your body's God-given ability to beat back inflammation. If you want to try it, it's the starter kit. It's only a dollar a day, and you can get it for three weeks just to try it for 20 bucks. I mean, what do you have to lose for 20 bucks for three weeks? Except maybe. Finally, hopefully the pain. Go to relieffactor.com. That's the website relieffactor.com all right gentlemen you ready for some feedback friday always yep let's let's get to it all right we are going to begin with jesse falsone who sent me this note on facebook and i just wanted to mention it because it getting a note to me on facebook is is almost as high of odds given our what facebook is doing to us getting a note to me on Facebook is almost is almost the odds of escaping China's one child policy at this point. I mean, it's pretty astronomical for me to actually for you to access to me on Facebook right now. I have a slight exaggeration. Slight. But Jesse asked me this question. The other day you talked about the squad and whether to vote them out of office or not. If would you be in favor of the squad being voted out of office? If doing so gave the GOP control of the House of Representatives, of course, most Republicans would view this as a win-win. Well, is the current leadership in charge? For example, if you were to tell me somebody like Jim Jordan was going to be the speaker, and I don't think Jim is a Superman, right? But he would be a quantitative upgrade over... Kevin McCarthy, Paul Ryan, John Boehner. So if I, I think who the leadership is would matter a lot. Because if it's the current leadership like McCarthy, then the overall, in my opinion, and I'm going to let you guys chime in on this, whether you agree or disagree, under its current leadership, there is far more value to our cause for the culture to see unfettered leftist desires, behavior, beliefs that they're getting from these women in districts they cannot lose into a Republican. The value we're getting out of this from a worldview standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, in my opinion, it's not even close. Far and away outweighs what we saw the last two years from the Republican con Congress that had Paul Ryan in charge and Kevin McCarthy as his bad lieutenant. I don't even think it's been close. And if you look at this current Congress and compare it to the last two years, they haven't impeached Trump. They, they didn't repeal Obamacare. They didn't secure the border. They didn't cut spending. They didn't defund Planned Parenthood. Let's just stop at those five things. Those are, all, those are pretty important. I could do more, but let me just start, stop at those five. That's, that's exactly what the Republican Congress did the last two years. All, all five of those exact same things. So, 
Now, I, I, I'm not, first of all, I'm not a Republican. That, 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 I think that's part of my perspective. Secondly, my, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in evangelism worldview mode. I, I think we've got to win hearts and minds right now. And elections are nothing but self-defense mechanisms. So I'm far more interested in the cultural value at this stage of my career than I am a, a particular political outcome. That doesn't mean I'm not invested at all in a particular outcome politically. That's not what it means. But what it means is if there was a ratio, you know, and another several years ago in my, in my career, the ratio might have been more 50-50 because this has always been a pretty worldview heavy and driven program. But it was also featured a lot more of the daily political machinery. And you know this, Todd, from having listened to it over the years before coming to work here. Even at the time you came to work here, we had more on the political machinery than we do now, right? Yeah. Okay. So, the, so even when I was heavily invested in a particular outcome politically, this was almost always kind of a 50-50 show between theology, worldview, and trying to direct a particular political outcome. Right now, I'm at about 80-20 on that. I'm way more invested in the, in the worldview theological aspect of what I'm doing than a particular political outcome. I think you might be closer to 90-10. And I, I, I was going to say that, but I, I, I thought I'd be more modest in my assessment. But I think that's fair. So if, if it's a different leadership, I mean, if you're going to put my buddy Chip Roy as the speaker, then I would take, I would take a Republican Congress. But given the chances of that are about the chances of monkeys flying out of my butt, I'm getting, with, with my current focus of where I have worldview and culture and philosophy and theology, I'm getting a heck of a, no, in fact, let me use a different word. I'm getting a hell of a lot more value because I think that term could be used here on a literal basis. I am getting a hell of a lot more value by these women letting us gaze into the direct portal of hell than I would be getting from a daily Kevin Speaker McCarthy, Speaker Ryan disappointment. What do you guys think? Well, this is what I mean about how you, you you need to listen to those crazy voices in your head way more often. And in fact, if you don't have any crazy voices in your head, you need to start fostering them because the, the <laughs> really the normal the normalcy bug that that is kind of behind this question and, and innocently enough is 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 seemingly like letting go of just the simple fact that before this last election, if you thought were uh, Trump and the Republicans going to ha have all sides of the political spectrum? I, I, and you were still going to be where you are currently today on immigration, and you are going to be where you are today on Obamacare? I Then I, I would have thought you were nuts. I thought there's got to be movement on at least one of these two things. And here we are. So it, it Which makes Steve's point even more clear i you need to be careful with this and what you i mean it, it, actively rooting for them to stay there is a different thing than being just simply doing the math steve is talking about and reading the tea leaves on on where the bang for the buck has been so i it's a sober mindedness that steve is talking about it's it, to, to sit there and think that a a republican victory is a default um Plus, it just it just can't be said anymore, and it can't be said under the auspices of this Trump presidency. I don't care who the leadership is. I would not make that bargain to have them uh, voted out of office uh, in order to regain control of the House because of I think what uh, what kind of a combination of what both of you guys have said. 
at the very least, even if nothing is done about it, I want the face of progressivism, of leftism, of godless, um, uh, you know, of, of a godless worldview. I want that shoved in the nose. I want our noses shoved in that as a as a country, as much as we possibly can, and twice on Sundays. That's what we need. Even if we don't do anything about it, I just want us to be warned because then. And we still are without uh, without excuse, but then maybe finally then I'll just know, you know what, if this judgment is coming, if this divine judgment is coming, or if it's already here, we deserve it. You know, we've been doing this retrospective on Rush Limbaugh's The Way Things Ought to Be each Monday on the show. And I don't know if he still says this because I haven't listened in, in several years, but one of the things that Rush used to say back in the day is that, and, and this is before the new really radicalized left that we see now fully emerged. But, but Rush used to say back in the day when he was just up against run-of-the-mill liberals that he didn't really want to totally eradicate liberalism. But after it had been defeated as a viable American political force to make sure a few of them stay around just so the American people would never, ever forget who these people are and what their true goals and missions are. Do you remember, do you remember him saying that back in the day? I don't actually, but but that that you made me think about that, Aaron, with what you just said. I mean, that, that you're doing a derivative version of that. You're you're saying that the cautionary this is the cautionary tale that um, that we need to be reminded of, right? I mean, the reason why those stories of of God's people circling mountains and deserts for forty years, or or uh, diasporas, or crucifixions, or persecutions, one of the reasons these stories are preserved is is they're also cautionary tales about what happens when we also allow ourselves to go astray. The idea that we're not vulnerable to the same things that, that, that previous generations uh, were, you know, were befell to. It, it, these are important reminders, right? Yes. And I, I, you kind of, I thought, yep. elaborated on that a little bit in, in what your answer was. Um, here's a question from, from Jared in Provo, Utah, who says he really enjoys our Theology Thursday, but he has a favor to ask. I've always been very fascinated by the book of Revelation. Would you guys consider doing a study of it? Absolutely. Not. You left you lost you forgot a word. Mm, mm, I think I speak for the the entire show. We I mean, we've been kind of you, I, you I don't, don't know, speak for my blood this, pressure. Is you this don't speak for my blood pressure? Is this a subtle Mormon troll going on here, trying to get us to do this, and then just collectively, collectively, Ugh. we've kind of been saying under our, you know, off the air. This is one of the things that we don't talk about on the air, but um, how how we've been wanting to talk about some eschatology because there's, I mean, we need safe spaces. That we talk about that all the time. True, and uh, I feel like nothing would be more uniting than talking about our views on eschatology. I. I you're saying that because, well, first of all, I don't have a clue what prominence or official kind of position is popular within the LDS. So you as Catholics have had the, uh, the Augustinian um, amillennial view largely for about a thousand some odd years, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not a fixation for you. No. So you're wondering if this, if this gentleman from Provo is provoking evangelicals. Uh, to 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 um, 
pick what is the most divisive yes. fight within our ranks. Yes. Is and if he is, well played. I <laughs> props to you, brother. This is the most divisive fight. I mean, I mean, people talk about Trump splitting the Southern Baptist Convention. Oh, you want to split the Southern Baptist Convention? Put like a post mill guy in charge. Uh, can you say schism? I knew you could. All right. I mean, and you're laughing. I'm not kidding, Aaron. I mean, are you? Do you think I know I'm, you're I'm not, not joking, kidding, no. which is why I'm laughing. No, I'm. I'm Folks waiting. will lose their damn minds. Yeah. All right. I, I'm. I'm waiting for President Trump um, to to tweet something along the lines of, uh, "We're already living in the kingdom" or something like that, and just watch everybody. Everybody. <laughs> so much for roll tide. It'd, it'd be like it'd be like uh, be, Raiders, be ch- Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the guy's face know, starts to melt. There'll be there there folks will get up at the next Southern Baptist. You're worse than the Catholics. I mean, they will lose their minds. I mean, I saw this in in the church we belonged to for ten years when I and I was on the preaching team, and we had a a, a very intelligent, uh, learned. Um, a uh, layman named Gavin, great guy. And he had, you know, studied all the various eschatological views and uh, had made numerous trips to Israel and things. And he just thought, you know, and, and he used to go to Israel and come back and like share his experiences and the places he went and the things he saw and, and give messages and people loved him. And he thought, you know, so these adult uh, Sunday school classes, you know, and he thought for worldview stuff, it'd be great if we just did one where, you know, we presented all the various views on eschatology. <laughs> Aaron's already laughing. So he's like, we should just do one. on." And he thought, you know, because he'd given all these presentations on Israel and archaeology, you know, which was his pet subject that, you know, people knew him and they would be, you know, they'd be fascinated. They'd come and learn. And and so the the idea was to go through all the three major views, the pre-mill, post-mill, a-mill view. And I'm not going to tell you what those mean because that will lead me to a very dark place. And it's almost the weekend. All right. Those are the terms, though, and, and I'm not even going to define them because I want to get out of here alive, all right? And, and and also within those three, there's different branches of those three. They're not all uniform in, all, in those three either, okay? You did this show once, though, here. Yeah, I, yes. Yeah. In informative. Once, Johnny Dangerously. Yes. Once. Once, all right? It was fascinating. And I believe I said, we're going to do this once. If that podcast, did that get erased when we moved over here to The Blaze? Is it still around? You're hoping sure it did. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm please please tell me it's gone. Because <laughs> I know I'm people sure are looking around. for it, and I'm yeah. like, now that you've said it out loud, they're going to dig it up, yep. and I'm a dead man. Yep. All right? I literally had a guy come up to me in the Charlotte airport with his color-coded rapture chart. This happened to me. All right? I had a guy who used to be the lobbyist for the Christian Coalition of Iowa. And he used to go up to the Iowa legislature. He was convinced Tony Blair was the false prophet when he looked through his lineage. And he used to go up to the Iowa legislature 10 years ago and lobby them on the grounds that they needed to vote for our legislation because they were the terminal generation before the rapture. And I'm not making that up. I'm not. I'm not, man. All right. (laughs) Although that is looking more true than it probably was back then. (laughs) So Gavin, God bless him, man earnestly thinks he's going to do this class and the class is packed and i think people just thought he was going to tell him when the rapture was going to take place right and and he starts going through these various eschatological views and the it, this class lasted one week and folks lost lost their damn minds so then week two he's like you know what i'm going to bring other elders in that will each teach a position you know 
and the class was canceled after the two weeks because people couldn't handle it, man. They, they could not handle it, that there was another view prior to the Plymouth Brethren in 1879 and the Schofield Bible Notes. They couldn't handle it. Many of you are like, what is a Schofield Bible Note? Exactly my point, okay? They could not handle it. And after this went down, one of the other elders who then after, shortly after this ended up leaving the church, one of the elder, other elders led a revolt against this. And him and I had been involved in political activism and a lot of shared causes for several years and knew each other well. We're having lunch. I wasn't going to bring this up. He brings it up to me. And he wants to know what my particular eschatological view is. This was like eight or nine years ago now. And I'm like, I don't really know. I mean, I, I think there's overall strengths and weaknesses with all of the three major views when I investigate them exegetically. You know, what do you think? And... He starts telling me that uh, his eschatological view was formed in the 1970s by Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth. And I, I said to me, the guy that cr predicted that Jesus was going to come back in 1988 and never did, that, that's unlike his fourth wife and isn't a three-time widow, that guy. And I should have had more of a filter. <laughs> the look, the rage on this man's face. In fact, this was the last conversation we ever had. We have never spoken again since this lunch. The look of rage he had on his face. All those things are true, by the way. I'm, I'm pretty confident the Bible says something about whether to listen to people who make prophetic predictions that don't come true after they don't come true. I think that happens, but... I, I, yeah, it's... I, uh, does it say something about that? Second Hesitations 310. Keep, keep, keep listening buying, to their fake keep predictions. Their books, yeah. yes. I think that's what it says, correct. Make them richer, um, I believe is what God says. But uh, maybe that's in the... The, new, the old King James, I think. But uh, the one, you know, the, the Bible that Paul used. But uh, I mean, the look of rage on his face, I thought this 70-year-old man was going to kill me right there at Palmer's Deli in downtown Des Moines. <laughs> I'm, having so, I'm having so much fun right now. Look at this. You got it. This is what I just tweeted. <laughs> nice. The, uh, <laughs> the tickle me, El the Elmo, let it burn gif. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was either a masterful troll, sir, yeah. or a, a the worst question I've been asked all week. All right, <laughs> and the answer yes is yes. a resounding no. Now, I, even I have my limits. You know, um, I, I am. I think I have proven I am willing to go to greater lengths than most to alienate people uh, in the quest for truth. But even I have a place where even I come to a hole with my prodigious driving ability. Even I come to a hole where I look at the water hazard and I lay up, all right? This is that hole. I'm gonna lay up, I'm gonna play it safe, and um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna drive it from here, I'm gonna hit about a seven iron and take it easy. See you next hole. <laughs> all right, that's where I'm I at right now. I just love that a Theo nerd who, who, there's a burning building, let's run to it, dude. I'm like, you are Homer Simpson into the hedge when this comes up. It's yeah, I've got. Fantastic. I'm backing away. <laughs> you guys, go ahead. I'll be over here. All right. Thanks, though. Appreciate it. It would have been hilarious if that was the message that got through to you on Facebook and nothing else instead of the one before. Oh, this is the one before. Yeah, was it, was it, the one it, message you get on Facebook. Tackle eschatology. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. We did it once, and I warned you at the time. I'm doing it once. All right. Maybe if you get me drunk, you might get a second time. But that's probably what it's going to take. Ryan wants to know 
maybe this shows my ignorance, but why don't more conservative media people ever run for office? Is it because they think they're more influential in the media than they would be in office? From my perspective, it seems like a good idea. High name ID, a built-in base of support, knowledge of the issues, experience dealing with media, debating policies, ideas. You guys have connections, a track record of stances taken on issues. You're already used to having a public life to a certain extent. You haven't yet been sucked into the swamp. I'd be curious to get your thoughts. Um, here's the thing. I, I, I can't speak for us as an industry. I can speak for my situation. Um, I would have no interest in serving in Congress whatsoever. Uh, too much of a toll on the family for, for very little ROI. Meaning if I thought I, we were going there to wreak havoc and sip the dogs of war, then I could justify it as a, as a soldier in a cultural cause, as a soldier in any cause justifies the time away from their family because they're actively fighting to preserve future time for the family, right? In this case, though, you're marking time. Unless you're the marking time or you're selling out. Okay, that, that, that's what you do most days up there. And it's not worth it to me uh, to, to, to risk losing my family over that, number one. I have had interest in running for executive office like governor in the past because that's where real, real power to check and balance the court's is really found. Um, the main reason I haven't done it, that's, that's, that's a position my wife has given me permission to run for because we have talked about it in the past. The, the reason I haven't done it is because I, I, I don't think there's any chance that the system would allow someone like me to gain an, audit, an office like that. Uh, I, I think the level of lies, deceptions that would be told about me um, would be legion. And that's, and I think I can do more good um, moving the debate and influencing the debate and maybe influencing other people that might try to do the things I would do if I ever ran and got elected, then for a lot less collateral damage, you know, you, you have to think about this differently when you have kids. You know, my, my kids already, you know, when dad was, was, was a, just a local sports talk radio host, they got four, far more benefit out of dad's public notoriety than they do from this job now even though i am far better known now than i was then it's not even close it's a thousand to one they'd get free tickets to the des moines playhouse to go see the christmas show every year uh they'd get you know we'd, we'd go to we'd restaurant people owners would host us meaning that the time that dad had away and the pressure that came with a dad that had a public job they got fringe benefits from that they get they went to Adventureland for free every year when they were younger they don't get any of that now and all they really get out of it is, is, is the reason this person is pronouncing my dad's last name correctly because they want to argue about something he said three months ago that I don't even know anything about. That's the reality of it. You know? Uh, so, um, but maybe after the kids are grown, I won't, I won't, this I won't shut down like the revelation topic. Maybe after the kids are grown and 
and free of any further damage that I could do to them. <laughs> and they're on their own. And so any, any crap that rolls downhill lands on me and the missus. Might be something I'd think about. But at this stage of my life, um, I, don't, I don't think any, the potential success lines up with what the, with, with the downside to that is. You guys have any thoughts? When you, uh, when you say somebody like me um, couldn't, couldn't be elected to that, you, you mean the package that your values come in, not actually. Yes. I, think, I think people don't, you're, you're beginning to see the links the system would go to to stop someone like me. The amount of, and I mean, I'm pretty, I don't know too many guys in my line of work that are more honest about their past, current, and present weaknesses and, and failures, moral and in every other area than I am. The amount of things that they would say or try to pin on me, and I mean the people running the Republican Party, because you know your chances of winning as an independent are irrelevant. Dude, I would love to have a general election. That'd be a breeze. I'm talking about the, I probably should have clarified that. I'm talking about the primary. <laughs> All right. The general election would be a breeze. One-on-one -on -one against the enemy. Well, that's what I trained for. That's why I'm here. It, it would be, it would be what, it would be what the party people would attempt to do to me in a primary process. I'm not afraid of that. I don't care, but I have kids and you know, they didn't necessarily sign up for that and they care. So, hey, if you watched a recent episode of 60 Minutes, the FBI's uh, head of cybercrime, former head of cybercrimes, is on there warning about the new crime wave sweeping the nation known as home title, law, home title fraud, I should say. This is where thieves and scammers hack into databases where a lot of our mortgage uh, deeds and home titles are kept nowadays. They forge their name onto your paperwork and then they borrow you're against your equity using your home as collateral, liquidating your investment. And often you don't find out about it until the late notices start showing up in the mail, the bills, maybe even a foreclosure notice. You know what? Your mortgage lender uh, can't protect you from this. Your bank can't. Not even your identity theft protection can. But for pennies a day, home title lock will. This is all they do is fixate and focus on protecting what for most Americans will be their most valuable asset, their own home. And who knows? Your home's title may have already been targeted, may already be tampered with. If you want to find out, you can do it for free today with a free title scan and report available by registering your name at hometitlelock.com. Get the free title scan and report. Just to, you have nothing to lose here. Just to make sure your most valuable investment is protected at HomeTitleLock.com. It's called the Title Scan and Report, and it is free at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll come back and continue on Feedback Friday here in a moment, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. Hey, as summer sizzles, do you feel like you are cooking in your clothes? If you can't handle the heat, you might need some new underwear. This is a brand new partner we have here on the show, and I have been using this product as well, and I would wholeheartedly endorse it, especially this time of year. Tommy John has the perfect solution. It's their innovative, cool cotton underwear for men and women. Uh, it is a summer must-have. It's like your own body air conditioner. I mean, even into the workouts. I mean, the difference in flexibility I have when I 
you know, if I've got every Thursday, for example, I have a, uh, my, my workout consists of uh, uh, interval jump squats or air squats, as some people call them, right? Um, the amount of bend and flexibility I have with this underwear compared to the typical stuff you buy at the store is a mass improvement. But I mean, this is a really, a really good product. Uh, lightweight fibers that keep you two to three times cooler and dry four to time, four to five times faster than the regular cotton underwear that you buy. Uh, the men's underwear features a contour pouch to keep you neat and nestled for your man parts because we still believe there's man parts on this show. And all of their underwear comes in a range of styles and fabrics that are suited for your entire summer wardrobe. The leg never rides up, the waistband never rolls down, and their unique design ensures no pinching and no bunching ever. You know, I was never like all that cognizant of pinching because I'm just like, I, I just have to do that. I'm a dude. That's what we do. Until I started wearing this underwear and I didn't have to do it. And now when I, because I, I don't have, you know, enough of it to wear every day. When I wear regular underwear, now I'm like, totally aware of how much of the pinching i have to do particularly when i'm at the gym all right so hurry to tommyjohn.com slash steve now great product tommyjohn slash tommyjohn.com slash steve now get 20 percent off of your first order this is the this is the new underwear product i was teasing at the end of yesterday's show we ran out of time all right that's tommyjohn.com slash steve for 20 percent off one more time men's and women's uh but men Let's face it, we got a little bit more of an issue with sweat down there, all right? TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All right, let's get back to some uh, Feedback Friday and a couple of reactions I want to share when it comes to Tommy Robinson and the conversation we had about, is he a hero? Is he not? What's his real background? Um, is, is, are we selling conservative media audiences a bill of goods or is it more complicated than that? Uh, you can watch that interview that uh, um, we did with our editor, Leon Wolf here at the blaze. Was that on Tuesday? Todd for fake yeah, news or not? Right. I think so, all right. And, and even Leon admits in the interview, some of the things he initially thought he knew about Tommy were not correct. And he had to issue an apology and a correction. And he, you know, was open and honest about that when we had him on the show. Uh, this is from, um, this is from Ryan, who says, in the interest of the year of no BS, you've said you like to try to understand what other people believe and why. Let me give you a perspective you may have missed as to why the support for Mr. Robinson is going on at the moment. Yes, in the past, it was about our immigration problem, which certainly has gone away. But now the issue is the government attack to stop the ability of people to even speak that there might be a problem at all. Last year, Mr. Robinson was arrested off of a street for disturbing the peace. And within a couple of hours, he was on trial. He was convicted immediately. He was not allowed his solicitor. He was not allowed to make a plea. He was... He was not even told of what it was he was being convicted. A couple of hours later, he was in prison. Oddly enough, he did not actually influence the trial he was covering that day. The verdict was already reached, and the only thing going on that day was the judge reading the verdict. The judge said himself that it was impossible for Robinson to have influenced the trial that, that, that day. Though that is way beside the point. This is not about what he did. It's about what the government did. They arrested him, tried him, and convicted him, and imprisoned him for a few hours. He had no counsel, no plea, no defense and he was not even told what his crime was. I hear America is having problems with overreach of power with its judges. Imagine if they could legally limit the freedom of the press too. Actually, you don't need to bother imagining. I predict that's exactly what they'll be doing to you guys soon enough. 
I ask, how many people do you know in your country willing to go through all that to warn of issues that you believe in? Robinson may have been overly violent more than a decade ago in his lower 20s, but now he's an adult and a father in his mid-30s. He's only violent now as a defense when violence is used on him or his family, like most people. He's no Jesus, but I see him as a brave underdog messenger. So I wanted to give another perspective from somebody who sounds like they may live across the pond and be closer to the situation. In a, a vital one. I mean, I, I, it's been a while, but I obviously echo your sentiments based on my personal experience uh, when I was railroaded by the local uh, police uh, here, as well as the local uh, county uh, legal uh, machinery. I fought and I got my way out of it, but I can only imagine what happens to people uh, without the opportunities I had to fight. So, a- amen. But you're you're doing what you're doing is talking about that. M- multiple non-competing yes. truths yep. can exist in the same space. And that was actually what Leon was talking to. He was simply saying the fact that this, I'm recognizing this and I think I got some wrongs about him. Don't also don't mean that what we were talking about in terms of what he was fighting for need to go by the wayside. When you have competing truths, one must win, one must lose. Steve said that multiple times in terms that sometimes two things cannot simultaneously be true. They can both be false, but they can not both be true. But we're talking about non-competing truths here. So I don't think in any way we we said that there's no value to the cause he's been fighting for or in no way should he be trusted. Uh, Leon Wolf was just... following up on what any responsible journalist should do, correcting his own uh, errors or perhaps wrong assumptions, and saying, weigh the totality of the evidence. And and for the guy who sent the original email, one of the issues we've had here in the States, particularly uh, within conservative media, is a rise of people um, that are essentially trying to make a name for themselves by being complete grifters and grandstanders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've had to go to war with some of those people because they're deceiving our own base, you know, from the right. And, and that may be also where uh, a good portion mm-hmm. of Leon's Correct. Um, concern comes from with Tommy Robinson. Doesn't mean he was right about everything. And even he, by the way, admits he wasn't right about everything. Aaron? Yeah, I would just throw this in. I, I think that the main takeaway that I had from the conversation on Fake News or Not on Tuesday with Leon Wolf is basically our listener's last sentence. He may not be, speaking of Tommy Robinson, he may not be Jesus, but, uh, and, and I can't remember the exact words that he used. That's that's important to understand. One, we want to get the, the facts right about this person that um, that he, you know, all of all, the conversation that we had with Leon and the, the listener email that we just got now. We want to get the facts right as well. But we also have this problem, uh, at least here, where we very quickly and ha- uh, very uh, robustly build up people into mythological yes. Uh, yes. Uh, mythological um, proportions. And that's kind of the main takeaway that I had about uh, the interview. We, we may not know completely what the entirety of the truth is as it pertains to Tommy Robinson. Let's not build him up into something that he's not. And let's not build up anybody into things that they are not. Or well. tear him down into something exactly. he's not. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that, that, and that's another major concern of our show is the need for everybody to be the last son of Krypton. Right. Why isn't it just good enough that this, because this guy um, was trying to bring to light something that the government would prefer doesn't come to light? Why isn't... Why, why isn't that good enough? Why, why does he have to be Kal-El? 
Um, and, and we have this conversation in a lot of different contexts. And because that's, 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 that's also where a lot of the grandstanders and grifters in our industry are taking advantage of, of our own audiences with this sort of mythological buildup clickbait. Okay. And the truth should be good enough on its own. It should be good enough on its own. Cause, cause I could, I could weave an alternative narrative with all the same facts. I could weave an alternative narrative for a guy like Tommy Robinson, a guy who struggled with uh, how to manage his temper and how to, how, to, how to deal with real conflict early in his life, grows up a little bit, gets a family, like you said in your email, and, and, and uh, some maturity helps him to take those instincts, which, you know, the instinct to fight, not necessarily bad for a dude. It's, it's who you're uh, taking mm-hmm. that out on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now with something, you know, a, a kid and a family and some other perspective outside of his own uh, Southern Hemisphere talking, uh, if you know what I mean, and his own ego suddenly starts thinking of uh, something other than himself. And now he's taking those instincts that used to do damage to him. And he's, he's, he's orchestrating them in a way, in a productive way that does damage to injustices instead. That's just as plausible as he's an absolute grifter grandstander, right? Either one of those narratives are true. People could tell you the same thing about me if you would have known me at a younger age to some extent, you know? So let's go to one more on this. Uh, This is from uh, Joe Hensel who says, Steve, I thought Leon Wolf did did his best to give an honest assessment of Robinson and I enjoyed your Martin Luther tie-in. Meaning if we had, if, 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 if we had social media to disseminate absolutely everything Luther was t- saying and writing all those years, other than the main thing, we might have been very concerned about having him be the vehicle <laughs> to ride on your, on your reformation. Uh, it's always important to know the historical setting within which, of these, within which these men lived. And you have to be careful about judging Luther by the 21st century standards to the extent there is merit to those standards. Totally agree with that as well. In Robinson's case, I've seen him in some longer interviews, and though I don't remember exactly what he was saying, I do remember I found him to be compelling in those formats, much more so than the British journalist who was obviously trying to discredit him. What is also curious is that Robinson will often go from arrest to court to sentence to jail in a matter of hours. This is with the previous emailer, and I wanted to repeat this point. Because I don't care what, I don't care who Tommy Robinson is. That is sketch, boys. All right? And I didn't know that. But now we have two separate members of our audience citing this. That's, that's total sketch. And in some respects, in fact, maybe in many respects, his government treating him in such a, such a way is a tacit or implied verification of, of, of the work that he's doing. Because if he was a total clown, we're not doing that to Alex Jones, right? I mean, it, nobody's doing that to Alex Jones or whatever, you know, conspiracy du jour website, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who do governments typically do such things to? Threats. Threats. That's who they typically do such things to, right? Yeah. Re- remember earlier this week when we, we did the sight unseen thing? What was that regarding? I don't who you would take sight unseen. But... My point is, if you gave, oh, you asked me sight unseen without even knowing the this woman who's running against the Republican running against Dilma, yes, Omar, or, or Ocasio Cortez, are we better off? No, no matter how right wing right. she may even be, right. and for real, that's right. Did you, are yes. we better off still yes. having Ocasio Cortez opening her mouth and and forcing the culture right. to see who these people really are than having yeah. another Republican in that seat? 
sight unseen, no question. To make your point about the threat, if you forget about Tommy Robinson and the specifics, if you just gave me his exact bio about what he's changed about himself, how he's the mistakes he's made, how he's, or and then the bio of your average uh, journalist uh, raised uh, in the suburbs, uh, goes uh, with a silver spoon in uh, her mouth uh, to whatever uh, liberal arts university goes to. Which one would I actually want to be a journalist of substance? I'd absolutely pick the Tommy Robinson version. And then I think this final paragraph in Joe's note is interesting. He says, also Leon commenting on the bravery of police, prosecutors, etc. for the risk they underwent in following through on this case strikes me, in a way, as confirmation that Robinson's views on these issues is correct. If lawyers and cops are afraid of retaliation or there are no-go zones for, for the authorities or victims and their families cannot be protected then clearly the system that those lawyers and cops are a part of is failing Mm -hmm. to some extent. Robinson putting himself at risk to criticize that system seems important and brave. And he has taken more than a few beatings at the hands of some of those same Muslims committing the abuse against these other Muslims that that brought the complaint. I'm not saying he's perfect or a hero. He's just a spokesperson, maybe one of many. But I want to make sure we weren't too, you guys weren't too dismissive of him in the end. I'm not, I, we weren't attempting to be dismissive of it at all. I don't want my audience lied to. That's all. That's all. That's it. You know, and that's why I asked Leon about his correction and apology. And that's why I let him discuss the information that he thinks is solid enough that he doesn't have to apologize for. But your point here, Joe, that the fact it's considered brave for the for the, the the authorities to go in there and save those Muslim children from what certain sects of their own subculture are doing to them, because it's not safe for an Anglo cop to go there, it's not safe for an Anglo MP or, or in, in the British parlance or the uh, or or um, a prosecutor to go there. In some respects, that you're right, that absolutely is verifying the things that some of the stuff that Tommy is saying that people view as controversial, right? Yeah, totally. Hmm. I do think here, here's why I think this conversation is healthy is it matters who you line up with as a vehicle for your values. And it doesn't at the same time, meaning your values don't, 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 your values aren't determined by the vehicle. They're transcendent, okay? And I'll, I'll even, I'll make it personal. You know, I, I'm, I am sure we phrase things, I know, because I get the notes. We, in a way, or, or take things too far to an extent that you wished somebody that you viewed as more restrained or mature in some areas had a, had a platform of a show like this to broadcast the narrow road to a large audience, right? I'm sure. I know we make you uncomfortable. And sometimes I even agree with you. I don't most of the time. I think most of the time you just need to, as Aaron Rodgers once said, relax. But there are times you are correct. That, and you may notice there are certain things we used to do or say on the show over the years, if you've been here for a while, that we don't say or do anymore, okay? Um, some of those rough edges needed to be polished out. 
And I'm sure if you, a lot of you, if you could get somebody who was better looking, more polished, had a certain amount of, you know, um, theological credentialed um, resume, right? You'd prefer that person was doing what we're trying to do with the show, right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, by the way. I'm not offended at that. I get it, you know, but you don't. <laughs> so you have to make your own decision whether or not we are doing a credible enough job of broadcasting, broadcasting uh, a narrow gate to a, a vast audience that you put up with those rough edges. But because we have a tendency to not acknowledge we have rough edges, a rough, a rough edges on the right, and everybody's a superhero. Everybody is. We are opening ourselves up uh, to being scammed by grifters. You know, the left's big problem is um, they're brainwashed. So they can't critically think. The big problem we have on the right is everybody has to be a hero. And so we open ourselves up to being taken advantage of. Which is why when somebody new comes along and gets instantly billed as the new hero, I, I'm totally fine if we have this conversation every time. And if it comes out that in the end, hey, overall, this guy's okay. Then great. I, I, you know? I'm not looking I'm not looking to purge people. I'm I'm looking to purge con artists and scammers, right? Indeed. So, so I'm I'm totally fine if this is an ongoing conversation that we have on this radio program. I think it's healthy to do it in fact. Hey, if you want to get have a healthy experience in the real estate market, you need to find a real estate agent that you can trust. Go to the website realestateagentsitrust.com where you will find an agent that has been vetted because they check all three of the following boxes. They have an actual track record of being successful in the real estate market. Uh, they've got an answer for, for you more than uh, another open house. Uh, they know how to read formulas and algorithms, but they know how to understand outliers in any market as well. And then they even return calls and are, 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 are cool to deal with because there's going to have to be a relationship between you and your agent. So the odds that you will be successful without that rapport go down. Right, So if you want to find a real estate agent that you can trust, it's really simple. Go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Everybody had a, have a great weekend. We're back again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.